Welcome to another edition of Politics and Radamic. Berto Will is your host. Thank you so kindly for being with us. We have a great guest today. As you know, uh, Christianity has gotten a bad name throughout uh, over the last several years. And I think it's because we don't get enough of the people who are really doing important work to move this country forward in the forefront. Alison McKinney-Tim is a human rights lawyer, scholar, and faith leader with two decades of experience defending the dignity and rights of those on the margins in the United States and globally. Her work promoting justice and equality has spanned the uh, nonprofit, private, and academic sectors. After founding Justice Revival in 2017, Allison was named one of the 10 faith leaders to watch by the Center of American Progress for American Progress the following year. Her writing has appeared in Sojourners, California Lawyer, The Independent, USA Today, Yale Divinity, Scholars Reflection Magazine, and many other places. Welcome to Politics Done Right, Alison. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you, Egberto. It's great to be with you, and thanks for having me. Well, look, I, let me tell you, we need to have you, and we need to have a lot more of you, especially in these times. Uh, let me first say that what has occurred over the last several years has made, and if, 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 you, if you've noticed, one religion ha- has really been on the decline, not because religion is a bad thing, though I'm not religious, I think it's a good thing. I, I grew up in the Christian faith, but it has gotten a very very bad name over the years. Tell us a little bit about yourself, first of all, and then tell us what you intend to do about changing that. Well, I grew up also in the church. Um, I've been a part of the church uh, since I was five years old. I'm actually from Texas originally. Really? Where I know you're based. I'm from the Dallas area, but I have a lot of family there in Kingwood, as a matter of fact. Wow. And it was my cousin in Houston who shared her faith with me after uh, we had a loss in our family. And faith has been central to my life. And it is my faith journey that's the reason why I became a human rights defender. Um, I don't think I would have ever turned from the private sector to public interest except for an understanding of faith that is rooted in love and that encompasses justice. And for me and for the justice revival community, that means human rights as a vital expression of justice. We have heard a lot from Christian nationalists, especially in the last four years. I want to bless and pray for my co-religionists, but I want to say truthfully in love that that is not what the gospel leads us to. The gospel leads us to affirm the immeasurable dignity, worth, and equal value of all human life. And the way we do that is by respecting and defending human rights. Excellent. For the audience, I want to first say that yours truly, they've always known me to be a very progressive humanist. I've always let them know as well that my wife is a deacon. So we are sort of a multi-religion here. She is religious. I am not. But what I wanted to do in having, and I've been bringing some other uh, uh, people from faith onto the program, because it is important that we understand that we're all different we all share different cultures, different religions, etc. But in a country like the United States, the intent is that we all coexist and not be tolerant, but understand that differences are important. And differences is what make things great. 
what make things, you know, things that you can go about. And I, and I wanted to have you on so that you can point out that the fallacy of what's been shown out here over the last several years is just that. I didn't grow as a, I grew up a Christian. I didn't grow up that in, in a manner that, that what Christians are doing here in America today, not your sect, but other sects are doing in America, uh, what I find very damaging. So tell me, how are we going to get those like yourself out there to really promote the things that I learned as a youth and the things that you know in your upbringing? Well, one of the ways we're working towards that goal at Justice Revival, toward a broader shared understanding of how the Christian gospel leads us to equality, justice, and human rights, is we've developed a flagship program of Christian human rights education, or we could call it religiously literate human rights education. This program, so far as we know, is the first of its kind in the United States. I've been teaching at churches along with my colleagues the last four years to talk in depth about what human rights are, how they developed historically, how Christian values of respect for each human being, uh, being made in the image of God from our perspective, how that directly supports a claim that all people have the same universal inviolable human rights. So we want to deepen understanding at the intersection of Christian faith and human rights. And by doing that, hopefully retrieve and lift up what we understand to be a very faithful interpretation of Christian scripture and tradition. Now, um, we're, we are, of course, taking a very Christian point of view. As you are moving along and, and ensuring that everybody's values are maintained or, or uplifted, how do you handle when you are working with other religions? Uh, in other words, promoting goodness, but not necessarily tell them, telling them that you must be of my faith. Absolutely. And we work um, extensively with secular and interfaith partners. And that's part of the purpose here. We want to build bridges among human rights activists that are Christian, that are interfaith, that are secular. So Justice Revival, for instance, we are part of the broad ERA coalition that has 200, I believe, member organizations. And we have sort of spearheaded an interfaith caucus within that coalition. We developed an interfaith statement of support for the ERA, which was released publicly in February. And very recently, for instance, I was hosted uh, for a webinar program similar to this by my friends at Religions for Peace USA. They're an interfaith coalition uh, led by a Sikh leader. Um, his name is Taranjit Butalia, Dr. Taranjit Butalia. And now he and I are partners, for instance. And I have loved partnering with him, with my Muslim, Jewish, um, and other faith leaders from different traditions. I think that is so important, especially in this climate where we're trying to marginalize the other. You've actually tried to include the other. I love uh, on your website where you talk about the theory of change. Tell me about the theory of change. You sort of expanded on that a little bit, but kind of bring that out a bit more for me, the theory of change. Oh, thanks for asking. I don't get that question very often. But um, as you saw on our website, 
the focal problem justice revival was actually created to address is what we've already been discussing, the way we see Christianity misused to oppose human rights in this country rather than to uphold them. And we want to flip that. And so we're going after the root causes of that problem. Um, one is just the fact that often uh, faith leaders doing justice work, um, and there are many doing amazing work that we admire and respect, they're not typically doing it from the perspective of human rights specialization, which is my background as a human rights lawyer, and that's uh, the perspective and vantage point of justice revival. So we want to bring something unique to the broader coalition work. And we want to, as I explained before, deepen the intersection of Christianity and human rights. But we also want to advocate in a way that will serve as a counterweight to some of the anti-equality, anti-justice, uh, religious messaging that's out there. And that's why we've stepped forward to spearhead faith support for the Equal Rights Amendment. That's why we're in coalition on many other issues like the right to seek asylum, like abolishing the death penalty, like ending the excessive use of, of lethal force, the unjustified uh, murders of Black people in the United States. Uh, I mean, uh, it's, it's interesting because you wrote a piece. Good segue. If we are equal before God, we must be equal before the state. And as we all know, based on the criminal justice system, based on how police officers work with different people of different hues, that that isn't the case. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, that's our thesis in a nutshell. If we are equal before the God of creation, and you'd be hard pressed to find a faith leader today that denies that. Now, historically, we know that was deeply contested, and there were a lot of longtime struggles to end chattel slavery and the outright subjugation of women, where there were theological contests over that very point. Are we all made in the image of God? Exactly. Native people, people of African descent, women, gender nonconforming, and queer friends. But today, there is, I think, a broad public consensus, at least, that no, when we come before the God who loves us, we come as children and who distinguishes or creates a hierarchy among their children. No, we're equal before God. And the important point that flows from that is that means we're all deserving of some basic level of decent treatment. And that's what human rights provide. So ensuring that we all have, and I'm going to even get provocative and say, we all have a right to life. Um, I'm being a little tongue in cheek because that shouldn't be provocative. It's a very well-established right under international human rights law. And central to that is that we deserve not to be summarily executed by the state or the nation where we reside or by any state or nation. So it's absolutely fundamental, I think, to look at the, um, the massive challenges of racial disparity in our policing and criminal system through a lens of human rights. And I wanna just call my church neighbors to really think about that with us. Let's take that a step further. Why, and, and, and I don't know the answer to this, why is it uh, that it seems 
that religion and and you know right now in america it is a christian religion but i mean it's religion of other types all over the world why is it that that is generally the transport device many a times to promote hate or subjugation Mm, yeah and i don't have the answer i'm i'm asking i I am i've asked that before and and want to know why is it so often used as a transport Yeah, that's a big question. And the place I want to go is a theological answer. Um, And from, again, a Christian theological perspective, the answer would be sin, that we fall short, that we battle as human beings with selfishness, with will to power, with a distorted view of of ourselves and others and the world around us. And um, again, from my faith perspective, what's really needed is to repent of that racism, of that white supremacy, of male supremacy and misogyny. What's needed is to have the courage to look honestly at the truth of our history and to say no, so often humanity has gone in the wrong direction. And when we create hierarchies, when we exclude or shut others out, when we care more about our own perspective than other people's basic rights, then we've gone astray. And it's time to admit that. You know, if a place like the Center for American Progress names you one of the 10, uh, 10 top faith leaders of the country, that, that says a lot. And, and based on what you're saying here, uh, I can actually see why. Now, um, you, you know, I, I always thought about um, you're in the same religion as far as these, same, these other folks. How did you come to a different conclusion? What in, your, what in your growth process? I mean, especially given that you told me you're from Dallas, one of the centers of where a lot of this Christian hate emanates. What made you different? What within your, what within your, uh, I mean, sect made you that different from where a lot of this started? Well, my whole journey, I've just felt and experienced God's grace, but I did grow up um, in, in the Dallas area and then in North Florida, Florida, North Florida, Jacksonville is my hometown. So areas where you might say broadly, there's far less consciousness, let's just be charitable, far less consciousness about racism, sexism, homophobia than perhaps in other parts of the country. But I had the, um, the gift of education um, and the chance to move away from where I was from for graduate school. Although I don't wanna to pin too much on geography because we know there's also a lot of diversity down South. Absolutely. My- my uncle who lives in Dallas, Fort Worth, he's a socialist straight out and an intellectual. Um, and so we can't, you know, draw too broad of conclusions. You know, actually, that's a very, that's a very important statement that you just made there. And I, I, I wasn't trying to imply that. I was just trying to say Dallas is where, and, and the reason I, I want to self-correct, if you will, is that one of the things that I've always told people is that the fallacy is that the South is so much different than 
the North when the reality is uh, some of the worst bus and riots occurred in Massachusetts. That's kind of way up North, uh, if you will. So uh, I, want, I want folks uh, not to mix, mix up the issues. And that, that's what I, 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 I think I need to self-correct there in the way I asked the question. So thank you for actually pointing that out. I think that is very important. Um, Fair enough. And just to kind of round out that, that answer that I was sharing with you, there is also a lot of diversity within the Christian church, many different streams of Christian tradition, and a lot of great teachers that I've benefited from um, at, at Yale Divinity School, where I had the opportunity to study. Uh, Richard Rohr at the Center for Action and Contemplation is a very influential teacher for me. And so there are others for us to learn from as we uh, seek to understand what is there in Christian faith that um, upholds and commends human rights to us. There's a lot. Well, look, Alison, um, we're coming close to our time here. Most importantly, I want people to uh, check out your site, justicerevival.org, justicerevival.org. Um, I always ask a very difficult question at the end of all of my interviews, and this one specifically is the same one. What would you have liked me to ask you that I simply didn't? Great question. So you might have asked me, um, why do we all need to support the Equal Rights Amendment? Uh, in the United States, and I want to say briefly, it is a basic human rights reform long overdue, a necessary corrective to a constitution from which women were intentionally excluded and under which women and gender minorities still do not enjoy fully equal citizenship stature. It is the most basic elemental reform we could make. We're one of only 18 constitutions around the world that lacks that sort of explicit protection uh, for women and gender minorities. So I want to um, just leave with that and encourage everyone to support the ERA. I think that is so important. And look, it's been my pleasure. Alison McKinney, Tim. Uh, founder of Justice Revival. It's been my pleasure to have you on Politics Done Right. Folks, please go out to the website. Please promote the website. Please promote uh, promote these folk that come out here and are really doing a lot for society that too often, because it's not the bing bang or whatever, doesn't get the national news as it should. Thank you so kindly for being a part of Politics Done Right. My pleasure. Thank you, Egberto. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join. Join.